Good to be with the church this morning. I bring you greetings from uh, last week. I was out in Utah with uh, uh, Joe and Lauren got married last week out in Utah. It was very encouraging. And the church is doing very well in Utah. I want to bring you just good news. They have a couple players on the football team who've become disciples in the church out there. Uh, They've been restoring people to the fellowship. They're adding to the number. It's growing. Kip and Bethany Harms doing a tremendous job. Uh, The the heart, the effort, the, uh, the resources we've even given over to that work. Really, God is multiplying and blessing. So it is exciting to see God growing a sister church out there. And I, I was just grateful to be there and see the faith and the spirit. You know, uh, this is the season of uh, Thanksgiving, right? This is Thanksgiving week. And, um, you know, I don't know if you know the origin of Thanksgiving, but early in the days of the beginning of our country, uh, that you know, the history says the pilgrims celebrated a Thanksgiving when they, you know, had a great harvest in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and there's some other historians who say it started in Florida when the Spanish, uh, you know, people who came on over to America, they were having a Thanksgiving feast, and we know it's been a tradition. Uh, we also know that uh, during the Civil War or after the Civil War, they began to celebrate it at the end of November. Uh, Abraham Lincoln wanted to do that to really unify the country. And then we know in uh, uh, 19, I believe it was uh, 1941, Roosevelt signed into law to actually celebrate as a national holiday Thanksgiving on the, the fourth uh, Thursday of the month. And so... That's what we're doing now. We've been doing it my whole life. I've been doing it. I'm sure you've been doing it. And I started thinking, and I've heard it said, maybe we should have, uh, you know, 364 days of Thanksgiving and only one day for complaining. One day of just griping and complaining. You know, that's it. it that, this is a one day you get to gripe and complain. Instead, we have the one day that we all have to be grateful. You know, it's easy in our culture to be unhappy or to gripe and complain. It's sad that that's that way, that we're that we, we just get stuck in it. I remember a long time ago, uh, on Car- right after Carrie and I's fifth anniversary, uh, we had opportunity to go to a, a campus conference out in uh, London. Uh, the World Conference back then was being held out there. And so I made arrangements that we would stop before we got to the conference. We'd stop uh, part of our anniversary in Paris, France. And I thought, that would be awesome, right? To get a chance to go there. I was uh, early 30s. I thought that would be exciting. And what happened was I had this whole detailed plan mapped out for our trip over there. And, you know, we were only going to be there for a day and a half or two days before we had to go to the, the conference. So I, I had every hour mapped out how we we're going to make the most of our time and just have a really romantic, special memory. I loved history. So I thought this is going to be incredible. And when we got on the plane and, you know, I had all my detailed schedule mapped out, guess what happened? The plane sat there on the tarmac and was delayed for like hours. And, you know, I began to get really grumpy. I mean, I got really unhappy and grumpy and frustrated and frazzled. My plans were not going to work out. I, had, I knew when we needed to land and where we were going to go and things weren't going to work the way I wanted them to. And I was just in a bad, you can ask Carrie, yeah, he was in a bad mood. So I want you to get this. Well, here I was with my beautiful wife going on a, a really exciting trip to be part of a great campus conference, you know, uh, over there in, in London. I was going to get to see places I'd never seen in my life. I'd even made preparations to go to Paris, France. It was going to be so exciting. And I'm really grumpy on the plane because things weren't going the way I wanted. You know, many of us can be that way. All too often. And, you know, if you're ungrateful, you're going to be unhappy. If you're focused on yourself and your own plans and your own way and how things got to work out for you, you're going to be unhappy. Sadly, 
most of America can relate to me. Sadly, some go way beyond that. In our culture today, 18.8 million American adults, or about 9.5% of the population, 18 and older, uh, are given into serious depression every year. They say about 30 to 40% uh, of people uh, are depressed, especially women in particular. We find that uh, statistically, we know at some point everyone's affected by depression, either somebody they know or themselves. We find that 15% of depressed people will actually take the, the step of committing suicide. We live in a dark world, a world that gets focused on all the problems, and we get down on ourselves so easy. And yet there is a solution, and the solution is gratitude. Listen to this little story. It's called The Cookie Thief. A woman was waiting at an airport one night with several long hours before her flight. She hunted for a book in the airport shop, bought a bag of cookies, and found a place to drop. She was engrossed in her book, but happened to see that the man beside her, as bold as he could be, grabbed a cookie or two from the bag between, which she tried to ignore to avoid a scene. She read, munched cookies, and watched the clock as the gutsy cookie thief diminished her stock. She was getting more irritated as the minutes ticked by, thinking if I wasn't so nice, I'd blacken his eye. (laughs) With each cookie she took, he took one too. When only one was left, she wondered what he'd do. With a smile on his face and a nervous laugh, he took the last cookie and broke it in half. He offered her half as he ate the other. She snatched it from him and thought, oh, brother, this guy has some nerve, and he's so rude. Why he hasn't even shown any gratitude. She had never known when she had been so galled and sighed with relief when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and headed for the gate, refusing to look back at that thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane and sat in her seat, then sought her book, which was almost complete. As she reached into her baggage, she gasped with surprise. There was her bag of cookies in front of her eyes. If mine are here, she moaned with despair. Then the others were his, and he tried to share. Too late to apologize, she realized with grief that she was the rude one, the ingrate, the thief. Our theme this year has been transformation. And we need to have been transformed through all our study, our time reflecting on the cross, reflecting, as Charles talked about, that we need to have the heart of a child, and realizing that we need to be transformed. Not only one time in our life, but God calls us to be transformed over and over. And you know, the most powerful way of transformation that I find you can be transformed in an instant when you go from thinking selfishly and ungratefully to reflecting on what good things are going on and having a spirit of gratitude. So the title of today's lesson is Transformed by Gratitude. Let's look in Psalm 106. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 106. You see, we weren't the only culture that struggled with gratitude. We aren't the only people that, that have difficulty remembering all the good things. And in Psalm 106, we have... One of the psalmists here reflected on the history of the Israelite nation. 
And I'm going to read not all of it, but, but pieces of it. So turn to me with me to that psalm. I want you to see there in verse 1, he says, Praise the Lord. Psalm 106. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are they who maintain justice, who constantly do what is right. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. Then he says, we have sinned. Even as our fathers did, we have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your kindnesses, and they rebelled by the Red Sea. Skip down to verse 12. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wasteland, they put God to the test. And in verse 16, it says, In the camp, they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. Skip down to verse 20. It says, They exchanged their glory for an image of a bull which eats grass. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt. Miracles in the land of Ham and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Verse 24, then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. And down at the end, verse 47, save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. The history of the Israelite nation brought a grand rescue, brought out of Egypt. And God saved them by miracles. You know, the plagues, the land, the plague of darkness, you know, demonstrating the difference between light and dark, showing the distinction and how he's blessing the Israelites, saving them out of you know, between the, the walls of the, the waters of the Red Sea and how they walked through it safe. And yet, you know, their enemies, the sin of the past was washed away. Then they went on into the desert. And not long after that, they began to grumble and complain and forget all the good things God had done. You know, God provided them food and manna and sustenance. And yet they longed to go back because they didn't have all the things they wanted at that moment. They got too used to what they'd had. They got too used to the food, to the quail, and to the manna that God provided. And they decided, you know, we wanted, we want the stuff we used to have. Oh, it tasted so good. If only I had that. They put God to the test over and over. And even in their ingratitude, Moses was, was sparked to anger and wouldn't himself fully obey God instead of speaking to the rock. He struck the rock, we find. And, and, and God saw that, wow, that nation that he had poured his life out, done miraculous things to save them, could turn back very easily. Even the most humble man on the face of the earth is what 
Moses was, uh, was called by God, even he could give in to sin resulting from other people's ingratitude. Ingratitude. If you made a list of the top five sins that plague you, maybe you made a list of the top five sins that just hurt our culture, would ingratitude be on that list? Let's look over in the New Testament, Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, we find, we move forward thousands of years here, and we find in the, the time of the Roman Empire, which is not unlike our time, God talking about the situation of the human race. And he says in verse 18 of Romans chapter 1, Romans 1 verse 18, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to depraved mind. To do what ought not to be done. They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. What was the origin of the downfall of the human race? What was the origin of the depravity of the mind? What was the origin of the longing for some kind of gratification that was unnatural and and falling into a kind of sexual perversion and depravity that's just destroyed? We know that was part of the destruction of the Roman Empire. And I dare say will be the destruction of our culture as well. They invented ways of doing evil. The origin of which, ingratitude. They neither glorified God as God, nor gave thanks to Him. Ingratitude is a terrible, terrible sin. And we've got to recognize this and see it for what it is. 
It's a precursor to damaging and destroying our very lives, our families. It can destroy any fun vacation you've got planned. It can destroy a nice dinner with family. Ingratitude. It's easy to get caught up in it, isn't it? You know, even in families, sometimes parents, we become ungrateful for our kids and complain about them. Sometimes brothers and sisters in families complain about each other, right? Annoying each other. Sometimes children, the kids begin to complain about their parents, thinking only of what they don't have, what they don't get, what their parents aren't doing right, forgetting that their very existence is because they were fed and nurtured and taken care of and trained and taught and loved when they could give nothing back. You know, I think about how our natures are to be complaining and grumbling about the greatest things in our life, sadly. I think about my own kids, and they love each other a ton, but, you know, more than one occasion they complain about how they annoy each other. Man, my sister annoys me. Man, my brother annoys me. And yet, one time at church when Caitlin was only like three years old, this is when we used to meet at Rancho High School, she was left at church accidentally through a miscommunication through mom and dad. Yeah. At the time, you know, meeting at Rancho, that was a nice blessing because we only live about a half a mile from Rancho High School. But as soon as we got home and we realized, Kaylin's not with you? No. She's not with me? Kyle opens the door, bursts out, and starts sprinting down the street. He was probably like seven at the time. And though his sister annoyed him when it came to really facing the reality of what was precious to him, Man, his sister was important to him. How are you doing with your circumstances in your life and the way you feel about the basic things that are already going on in your life? Are you grateful? Are you truly grateful? How do you handle situations when they don't go the way you want? There's a story... About a little guy named Jamie Scott. Jamie was trying out for a part in a school play. His mother told me that he had his heart set on being in this play. And she feared he would not be chosen. On the day the parts were announced, I went with her to collect him after school. Jamie rushed up to her, his mom his eyes shining with pride and excitement. Guess what, Mom? Guess what? He shouted. And he, then he said those words that remain a lesson to me. I've been chosen to clap and cheer during the play. And his perspective was one of gratitude for the role that he had been given, that he was going to be given something to do. He was going to have a part to play. He was grateful. How are we doing on our gratitude? How's our overall attitude? How do we feel about our, our work in the ministry? How we feel about our current job? How we feel about our current boss? How we feel about our family, our brothers, our sisters, our mom, our dad? Where are you really at? Ingratitude will destroy our own personal life, the lives connected to us, and will destroy a ministry, and will destroy a city. We need to cultivate a gratitude within us. How do we do that, right? Isn't that the question? We need to be grateful. 
they neither gave thanks to God nor glorified Him as God. And that, be, that began the downfall of their lives. So how do we cultivate a gratitude? What is needed to really develop gratitude? I have two basic charges for you. Two ways to cultivate gratitude. And the first is this. We need to learn to say thank you. It's been said that it's better to say thank you and not mean it than mean it and not say it. We need to learn to say thank you and cultivate a culture of gratitude in our hearts by speaking the words. You know, there's a story about a a teacher who wanted to demonstrate the impact that we could have by sharing gratitude and appreciation for other people. And she did an experiment in her class where she told the students to go out and she gave each one three blue ribbons. And with those three blue ribbons, they were to go to somebody and express appreciation for them. Tell them thanks for something they had done and give them the ribbons to say, hey, you're valuable to me. So one of the students in the class, it was a junior high school class, he went to a a local uh, executive that he had talked to about a career planning class that he was doing, and he gave him the ribbon and said, thank you for helping me with my career planning class. I really appreciated your help. Well, that executive (coughs) was willing to, you know, let the blue ribbon put put on him, and then the student said, and I have two more ribbons, will you please, you know, pass them along to someone else? So the executive goes, okay, sure, I'll do it for you. And he thought about his grouchy boss, the owner of the company. He's like, you know, I'm going you know, to give it to him, cheer him up a little bit. He's grouchy. So he goes on in, and he asks his boss, hey, would you mind? I, one of the students that, that my son knows from school gave me this ribbon, and he asked me to pass on another ribbon for someone that I appreciate. And, you know, I do appreciate the creative genius that you have in running the company. I, I appreciate that. So would you wear the ribbon? And uh, the boss surprisingly goes, yeah, sure, I'll wear it. Thank you. Appreciate that. And then he goes, and you know, I have another ribbon that I would like for you to, uh, if you wouldn't mind, they've asked us to pass this out as well. And we, they're doing a little experiment to see how this could affect people. So if you wouldn't mind passing along as well. And he goes, uh, you know, begrudgingly, he's like, sure, I'll do it. And so he gave him the other ribbon. And so the owner of the company on his way home was thinking about who he was going to give it to. And he thought, you know, I've got to give it to my son. I haven't, you know, really encouraged him very much. I, I haven't seen him much. He's working so many hours. So he pulls on into the driveway and goes on upstairs to see his son doing his homework. And he says, son, you know, I haven't talked to you a whole lot lately. I've been working so many hours. But I was given this blue ribbon and one of my employees told me he really appreciated my creative genius. Can you believe that? He appreciated me. And I started thinking, I really appreciate you. And I know I don't tell you enough. I really love you and I appreciate you. And, and you're a great son. I appreciate the time uh, that we do get when we get it. And I want you to know I, I really value you. And he gives him the ribbon. And the son started sobbing, started crying, just tears pouring out his eyes. And he said, Dad, I, I can't believe you're doing this right now. I, I've, I've been making preparations that tomorrow I was going to end my life because I felt like Mom or you or no one really cared about my life. And I realize now that's not true. And we underestimate the power of just saying thank you. And the ripple effect it can have on the lives of people. You know, the scriptures teach in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 that we got to give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
in all circumstances. Whatever circumstance is going on in your life, can you really give thanks? Can you be grateful and express gratitude to the people around you? Can you be grateful and give and say thank you out loud to God regularly? Are you willing to say, hey, I'm, I'm grateful in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon? When you wake up in the morning, you say, God, thank you for a new day. When you go to bed at night, are you thanking God in your mind for all the good things he's done for your life? Can you say thank you every day out loud to other people? You know, there's a story about a guy. I read a story about a guy who built this. He's a wealthy guy, built a beautiful uh, uh, home in the mountains. I think it was out in uh, Colorado. And he built this beautiful, like, ski resort home. It was like his cabin. And <clears throat> he and his family were up there visiting. And that particular day, they were, uh, he was out skiing. And his w- wife and son were visiting another friend's cabin down the hill some distance. Well, what happened was uh, a storm came in and an avalanche was started on the hill. And the avalanche was so severe that it, it tumbled down the hill and totally wiped out his entire house, his entire cabin. He just got done building it. Wiped it out, demolished it completely. And he was safe. And, you know, later uh, he, had found, you know, he had found out from a friend what had happened with his wife and son. And he had been worried, you know, as he, and he didn't find this out right away. But uh, he, he had, you know, was complaining in his heart, I can't believe this happened. I just built this home. It's incredible. I just built it. Why would this happen? Why would God allow this to happen? And he comes to find out that his wife and son were driving back up to the cabin. And when they were driving back up to the cabin, this other friend of theirs was driving down the hillside. And the, because of the storm, the car slid out. And it ended up blocking the road on the way up to the cabin. So the, the wife and the son of this one man who owned the cabin had to stop and help this other friend with their car. And they really couldn't get it out. They ended up called the ski patrol and the city you know, uh, uh, police department to just get their car out of the snow. And so they never made it up to the cabin. And later, the man who owned the cabin realized, you know, if that accident hadn't happened with my wife, they would have been in the cabin when the avalanche hit. And he realized, wow, I was so ungrateful. I couldn't believe, why would this happen to me? And yet God somehow arranged circumstances in such a way that that my son and my wife actually lived, and I didn't even realize it. Are you grateful in all circumstances? We don't always see the big picture of what's going on in our life. We can't see the whole picture. Do you trust the sovereignty of God, that God really is working? He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. What's God's will for you? To be grateful all the time. No grateful person is unhappy. You got to get grateful by saying thank you over and over and over. Colossians chapter 3. You read in the text over and over in the, in the, in the, in the scriptures. That we need to give thanks. Over a hundred times, it talks about giving thanks, being grateful. We find in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving 
thanks to God the Father through him. You know, it's not until we, we think we're going to lose something that we really get grateful. Right? It's not until we realize something was close to being taken away from us that we get grateful. You know, in our family this past week, we found out that Terry's nephew, uh, Kyle's first cousin, Paul, has leukemia. And, you know, his family, they own a, a little business. And I was talking to his father, my brother-in-law, Paul. And he said, Steve, nothing else matters. I'm putting everything on hold. Nothing else matters. Except my son being well. And prior to that, he could have listed off a to-do list, a list of struggles and difficulties and concerns with his business that would make him feel discouraged or depressed or wondering what's going on. And he realized none of that matters at all. Every one of us in here needs to take a a good look at, are we really grateful for our family? Are we grateful for our life? Are we grateful for our, our mission in life, our purpose in life, what we get to do with our life? Can you make a gratitude list and how long would it be? How long would your gratitude list be? Can you make a thousand thing gratitude list? I think you can. If you listed off every member in here, we'd be about 450. Right? Yeah, at the desert cities, we've got like over 600. That's 600 people to be grateful for who've chosen to say, Jesus is Lord. You know, today we're going to have, I believe, a teen and a campus girl baptized into Christ. Amen? Really excited about that. We're going to be, we're going to be getting a new sister. We're going to be getting new people in our family regularly. Are we really grateful for that? Do we forget? Do you remember how lost you used to be? Do you remember how it felt to have a, a, a narrow viewpoint of what life was like? I remember driving home from my job as a stockbroker, driving down um, the beach road in Manhattan Beach. And I remember just thinking how short term my perspective in life was. I, I rarely thought much about the coming weekend or the new thing I was going to buy or the new club I was going to go to. Or the new girl that I wanted to try to date. And I remember constantly having an aching feeling of anxiousness and wonder about my life. Is my life really on track? Am I doing what's right? And I always felt empty. A lot of times when the the holiday season came, a deep feeling of like, what, what is life all about would come over me. I remember how it felt to live in the darkness. You remember how it felt to live in darkness? And then I remember how good it felt for God to come down and say, okay, here's some men were sent to my life. They pulled me out of the darkness. They taught me the word of God. They showed me a purpose for my life. They pulled me out of the sin and the wreck of my life. They taught me why my life, you know, had meaning. I finally found the one thing worth my very best. And that was living to the glory of God. To honor him, to speak about him, to help other people become disciples of his. And I remember that first Christmas as a disciple. I remember I was dead broke. I remember 
you know, my life really wasn't going great on the outside. I had challenges. You know, I was a young guy, started a career, but I had no money at all. I remember I had to write cards to all my family and friends that Christmas. You know, I couldn't buy anybody a thing. But I also remember how grateful I was to be holy, to have been pure, to be with people who loved God, to be singing. I never sang before. I mean, I'm going to midweeks and singing. I'm singing songs and just enjoying worship, enjoying wholesomeness, enjoying being wholesome, being pure over the holidays. This is, I felt so good. Do you remember? Are you grateful for being pulled out of the darkness? We got to say thank you to God. But you know what else? We got to say thank you to people. Look in Philemon chapter 1, verse 4. Philemon 1, verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Right? Paul is writing here and he says, I always thank my God as I remember you. He's telling God how grateful he is for Philemon. He's telling him how grateful he is for the people in his life. When you pray, do you just list off the names of the people that you're grateful for? And can you list a whole series of things about the people that you're grateful for? How easy is that for you to do? I wrote down a couple. And it's a privilege to get to speak publicly because then I can encourage those I love publicly. I wrote down for Carrie. I just wrote, it took me five minutes to write down ten things for the people that are near me. I wrote down about Carrie, I'm grateful for her love for God, her love for me, her beauty, her cooking, her hard work, her love for fun. She's a great mother, she's a great servant, she has great wisdom. About Kyle, I wrote, he's obedient, respectful, loving. He loves sports, loves to pray. He's a UCLA fan. He's a great athlete, a great student, a great friend, and he loves his sister. About Mike, I wrote, he's loyal, serious, devoted. He's a great cook, and I get to enjoy that over the holidays. He's a great preacher. He has crazy stories. He likes guns, and I'm a guy, I like gun stuff, and I like man stuff. He likes adventure, and he's bold. I wrote about Doug, he's a best friend, he's funny, he's wise, he's a great minister, he was the best man at my wedding. He also is a UCLA fan, which is very wise of him. Heart for the underdog, he expects God, others to honor God. He loves to have fun, and I wrote down, he's not here, I was make fun of him, but I'm grateful that I'm better looking than Doug. About Jake, I wrote that he's passionate, committed, a great shepherd, loves people, a great athlete, a great musician. He's my right-hand man. He's very real and open. He laughs a lot, and he's thoughtful. And I could go on about so many of you over and over and over and over. How easy is it for you to express gratitude to the people that are near you? And do you do it? We need to say thank you to cultivate a gratitude which can cure the ills within our family, the ills within our ministry, and the ills within the whole world. You know, the last thing I want us to say is this. Not only do we have to say thank you, but we've got to express gratitude in action. We've got to express gratitude in action. You know, in Leviticus chapter 22, verse 29, we find that God is commanding, actually, for the Israelites to be grateful. He says, when you sacrifice a thank offering, when you. Not if you, when you, you're supposed to do that. <clears throat> God understood that's how you stay strong spiritually. That's how you, you grow in life. That's how you avoid all the, the depraved thinking of our culture. When you offer a thank offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. Do your best. Give it your all. Don't sacrifice blemished animals. 
And I think about so many inspirational examples of people expressing gratitude in action. I think about one of the teen sisters in here. She realizes that next week is our Hope Day of Giving, where we're going to meet the needs of the, of the poor through our work with Hope Worldwide. And we're going to give specifically to Hope. We're going to also give our, our weekly offering, which goes to the work of building the spiritual ministry. But we're going to give a special offering next week to Hope. And, you know, one of the sisters in our ministry, one of the teen girls, decided, hey, I want to make a difference in my school. So she gets a little a can. She decorates it. And she goes into her class and she just passes it around and explains what Hope Worldwide does. How they help people. How they meet the needs of orphans. How they've, how they've built hospitals. How they really serve and make a difference. And even as a congregation, we are all volunteers on our big Hope Day for Hope Worldwide. And she passed it around her classroom and she got the goal for every member of the church that Hope was asking for is $52 a person to donate to Hope Worldwide. She got it that one day right in class. That was Natalie Mardigan. Isn't that awesome she did that? Express gratitude in action. I appreciate the disciples in here. So many of you serve in so many ways. I, I want you to know, you know, the staff, we are so grateful, so grateful for all the hard work. You know, most ministries, the worship teams, they expect to get paid. And I hope our, you know, I've never heard that. They don't. Trust me. They all make plenty. But you know, here's the thing. They do all this for free. All the things they do, they're not, they do it why? Because they want to serve God. And a lot of churches, the worship teams, you've got to budget that. You've got to pay that worship team. They're not coming to worship God unless they get paid. You know what's really exciting is they all donate all their time, hours and hours and hours of giving their gifts and talent. And they do such a tremendous job. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, I think about those that volunteer to take on the work of Hope Worldwide. You know, on, uh, in January we do our annual Hope Day. And I had a great meeting the other day with Brian and Adrian and Bill. And I know John Nelson's in there. And Mary Duantano did it last year, coordinated the Hope Day. And she's volunteering. And I appreciate these men and these women saying, you know what? We want to step up and make a difference and express our gratitude to God for what he's done in my life by giving back. And that's what Christians do. You know, as a church, we do a lot of great things. And we've got to continue to pour ourselves out to meeting the needs of people with no expectation. Amen. We've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to change lives. You know, there's a story about a guy named Robert DiVincenzo. He was a great Argentine golfer. Listen to this. He once won a tournament. And after receiving the check and smiling for the cameras, he went to the clubhouse and prepared to leave. Sometime later, he walked alone to his car in the parking lot and was approached by a young woman. She congratulated him on his victory and then told him that her child was seriously ill ill and near death. She did not know how she could pay the doctor's bill and hospital expenses, and he was likely going to die. DiVincenzo was touched by her story. He took out a pen and endorsed his winning check for payment to the woman. Make some good days for the baby, he said as he pressed the check into her hand. The next week, he was having lunch in a country club when a professional golf association official came to his table. Some of the boys in the parking lot last week told me, you met a young woman there after you won that tournament. Steven Senso nodded, yes, that's true. Well, said the official, I have news for you. She's a phony. She has no sick baby. She's not even married. She fleeced you, my friend. You mean there is no baby who is dying, said Steven Senso? That's right, said the official. That's the best news I've heard all week. 
You can't substitute for gratitude. And expressing gratitude doesn't matter what's going on. When you are giving and caring and making a difference, it changes you. You know, each of us can make a difference. And there's a ripple effect that you can't even comprehend. So you've got to be willing to express it, not just with words of thank you, but in action. In action. In ways of giving. In serving. And being a part of something bigger than yourself. I heard another story, and we'll close with this. It's a story about a teacher. And it was written in a, a Thanksgiving Day editorial in the newspaper. And it told of this school teacher who asked her class of first graders to draw a picture of something they were thankful for. She thought of how little these children from poor neighborhoods actually had to be thankful for. But she knew that most of them would draw pictures of turkeys or tables with food. The teacher was taken aback with the picture that Douglas handed in. A simple, childishly drawn hand. But whose hand? The class was captivated by the abstract image of the hand. I think it must be the hand of God that brings us food, said one child. Another one said, a farmer. Another said, it's because the farmer grows the turkeys. Finally, when the others were at work, the teacher bent over Douglas's desk and asked whose hand it was. It's your hand, teacher, he mumbled. She recalled that frequently at recess she had taken Douglas, a scrubby, forlorn child, by the hand. She often did that with the children, but it meant so much to little Douglas. Perhaps this was everyone's Thanksgiving, not for the material things given to us, but for the chance in whatever small way to give to others, to express gratitude in action. And we need gratitude. It can transform all of us. It needs to permeate our lives. It needs to come out of us all the time. As we embark upon the week of Thanksgiving, let's not fall prey to the ingratitude that so easily comes our way when we don't get what we want. But let us give thanks in all circumstances to God, to people, and in action. Let's be a congregation of grateful people. Amen.